Story number one. Untitled Human Game, written by Deomek. It's a beautiful day in Sokonsaka, and you are a horrible human. In your defense, you didn't intend to be a horrible human. It just sort of happened. But as you overlook the chaos in the once peaceful alien town, you have to admit the truth to yourself. And you can't quite regret it. You were on a solo mission to a distant outpost, sent to repair a malfunctioning FTL comm. As you traveled through the quiet, hallucinogenic nightmare of all space, something happened. You're still not sure what. Regardless, you were ejected back into real space and sent careening through the void. You said your prayers, some flavor of... Oh crap, I don't want to die! Ah! and prepared to meet your oblivion. When you woke up, you didn't meet your oblivion. Instead, you met a flashing light of a poor, abused ship. Lights that meant basically everything was broken in some way or form. No matter, you were, in fact, a technician. You could probably fix it. A brief look at the sensors showed that the planet's atmosphere was near Earth levels, perfectly breathable with a delightful 25 degrees Celsius temperature. The gravity was a tad under standard G, which was even better. As you would soon find out, there were, unfortunately, other problems. In many ways, this planet was the ideal place to crash land. Had someone told you to crash land on a human habitable planet, on a post-industrial peaceful sapien species, you would have been overjoyed. As places went, that was good as it got. Crashing on a human planet would have been better, not crashing at all would have been the best, but it was still damn good. The problem was that the sapient species simply didn't believe that you were also sapient. Humans are remarkably similar to the native species called Esludes, who were ape-like creatures with four arms and a thin layer of fuzz. They hung around the lakes and wooded areas, clumped together in packs and were basically considered a normal sight. Everyone who met thought you were a poor, hairless, deformed slew, an escaped pet owl slew, actually, since you were wearing clothes. The local sapien species were almost three times your height and twice as wide, so every time you approached them and waved your arms around, they would start clucking sympathetically, pick you up and start petting you. The Anison, as they called themselves, had remarkably soft fur, they looked like giant adorable bears and giant adorable eyes. It was good to know that the locals weren't peaceful. You appreciated that, really. But that was another part of how deeply weird it was. For one, nobody came to investigate the crash ship. Again, that was convenient for you, but there was no way a post-industrial society didn't have some kind of sky monitoring. Probably. You weren't an anthropologist. To be fair, your ship hadn't completely crashed. The ship records showed the autopilot had engaged at the last moment, so it had been more of a gentle glide to the surface. But still, the initial entry should have shown up on the radar, so whatever. After the fifth failed attempt at trying to prove that you were sapient, freaking hell, these teddy bears were oblivious, you gave up and decided just to take the stuff you needed to get off the godforsaken planet. Lolo was bored, his mother was still shopping for groceries, and he just wanted to go into the toy store and get a new dirigible. 
They had remote-controlled ones now. Lolo wanted one so bad as he kicked his feet on the bench. Still, very bored, he found something interesting. Lolo stood up and tugged on his mother's paw. Mum, look, it's a weird slew. What? She gave him and the slew a distracted look. Oh, now on. Dear, dear, I hope they don't find its owner soon. Poor thing's been looking everywhere for them. The slew had a squished face with only two arms, which was kind of weird, and its fluffy fur was only at the top of its head. Maybe that's why the owner had made it to wear clothes. It probably got really cold. Can I go play with the slew? Don't bother it, Lolo. But its mother wasn't paying attention, too busy with comparing two hubber fruits in the stall. Well, technically, he wasn't going to go bother it. He was going to go play with it. Unnoticed, Lolo hurried away from the mother and approached the slew. The slew was dragging a wrench from the shed. What was it going to do with that? That's not yours, said Lolo. It gave him a beady-eyed look as it came closer. Fragahav, it honked. Fragahav, Lolo honked back, giggling. It reached out and grabbed a wrench, but the slew jumped back and clutched the tool to his chest. A slew given back! The slew gobbled in response and it didn't sound happy. Lolo tried again. The slew honked louder, waving its arms. Ah, it only had two, as if to scare him off. Lolo giggled some more. The slew was only a little smaller than him, but it was only in a slew. It couldn't do anything. Hey, kid, what are you up to? All of Lolo's noise had attracted the shed's owner, who approached with a frown. The owner squinted at the kid and then at the slew, realizing surprise and annoyance. Hey, that's my wrench. Then the adult tried to grab it, and then all hell broke loose. You didn't mean to trip the kid. You really didn't mean to. Honest. And you didn't mean to go careening into the market stall, knocking over the weird fruit and throwing some of the panicked attempt at distraction. You also didn't mean to run into the electronics store, grab a radio, crash a TV equivalent, and go screeching into the distance. Okay, maybe you did intend to grab a radio, but you didn't intend to grab it like that. You felt pretty bad about it all, but you had to admit that your foray into town was the most productive yet. You brought back the fruit, edible by humans, raw metal in the form of a wrench, and more electronic components with the radio. At this rate, you'd only need to make another few more trips and you could repair your ship. You had all the tools you needed, the ship had a fabricator and stocked toolkit, thanks to your former mission. You also needed to dump a few more raw materials, tweak some circuits, and you'd be good to go. Thank God that our space generator was completely intact. There was no way you'd have gotten the exotic metals needed to fix that, and you weren't confident that you could even try without blowing something up. You eyed the hull with a thoughtful look. As cool as ninjas were, you never were that good at hole sneaking around thing, and considering how much you got, maybe it was a lesser of devils just to grab things as fast as possible. You'd be out of their hair, and they'd be out of yours. It's the freaking slew again, hissed the pedal waddle. Giggy tried to recover the laugh with a snort. It didn't work. At pedal waddle's glare, she grinned and said, You're just embarrassed at how easily it made a mess and got away. 
Thankfully, someone had recorded it. The whole situation was the funniest thing that she'd seen all year. It wasn't just me, Battle Waddle crossed his arms and glared. Corridora's TV was smashed, and I think that it stole a remote. A radio, I grumbled Corridoro, listening in. He clearly wasn't pleased at the reminder. Diggy snorted again. Her store was the only one that was spared from the catastrophe, so she found it funnier than the rest. Pedal Waddle glared at the Eslu. I'm gonna chase it with a broom. The Eslu somehow sensed their gaze, turning around and squinted back. Ah, don't. Giggy outright laughed. The poor thing's just confused, Pet. Let it be, Pedal Waddle. Pedal Waddle had already gone into his shed to find a broom, so that he couldn't hear her at all. Still, in the future, Giggy would constantly remind him that she had told him so. Who keeps in the slew as a pet anyway? Corridoro huffed. She shrugged. I don't know. Someone who likes their slews, probably. They are kind of cute. Even this one was adorable in its own helpless, deformed way. Ugly cute. Get out of here. Pedal Waddle, broom in hand, dashed towards the slew. Holy crap, you did not expect the giant teddy bear to come at you with the broom. You leapt out of the way and with some truly beautiful uncoordinated flailing, hooked an arm around the broom, stabbed your toe against the fruit stall and crashed into the teddy bear. You were the first to recover from the confusion, and you were now in possession of half a broom. You stared at the dazed giant teddy bear, slowly reaching down and picking up a fruit nestled in his neck. You were now in possession of a broken broomstick and a fruit. The giant blue fruits were really good, okay? The teddy bear roared and you, screeching in fear, sprinted away. Just as you passed the last storefront, you stopped and doubled back. That looked remarkably like a giant aluminium watering can. Exactly what the doctor had ordered for the ship. Giggy abruptly stopped laughing and the Islu ran into her store, grabbing the most expensive watering can on display and ran out. Not so funny now, is it? Corridoro said triumphantly. Panting, you made it back to the ship without being followed. Man, that had been a rush. A little too close for comfort in some ways, but you snagged a lunch and a major component for repair. You bit into the delicious, juicy fruit and chuckled to yourself. It was the size of a cantaloupe with the texture of a blueberry and the sweet taste of something completely foreign. All in a day's work. You glanced at the checklist. The advantage of the teddy bear's enormous size was that all the material of their objects were oversized too. The watering can contained enough aluminium and a radio had copper and a ferret of plenty. With this, you'd be able to fix your long-distance comms and signal for help. You did just that, spending several hours grunting and swearing as you coaxed the delicate tech to cooperate. Once the computer gave the go-ahead, you heaved a sigh and flicked the metaphorical switch. Nothing. No signal. You frowned and ran diagnostics. There was nothing wrong with the actual transmitter. It just couldn't get a signal past the atmosphere nor could it reach or receive anything. Hmm, perhaps it was a quirk of the local magnetic field, or some other geographic interference. Moons, maybe? A ring system? You hadn't been awake for a re-entry, so you weren't sure. 
It wasn't like this particular cause mattered. Regardless, you'd have to leave this planet before you could signal for help. With a sigh, you double-checked your list and got back to work. You needed chromium and nickel. If the teddy bears were anything like humans, which they were to be frankly weird and almost suspicious degree, you would find the metals in silverware. In the market you hung around didn't sell proper silverware, so you decided to look elsewhere. After a fair amount of research, you found a restaurant, or a bar, either way. It had solid utensils. With this, you'd be able to get airborne. Unfortunately, the teddy bear cleaning the courtyard refused to let you in. Despite your multiple approaches, the bear seemed to have a second sense that alerted him to every frantic dash inside. Well, you weren't a ninja, but you'd have to try a different approach. The three shopkeepers drank mournfully. All that inventory, boo moaned, pedal waddle, all smashed. That stupidest Lou, Corridoro clenched his paw. It stole a second radio, as if one wasn't enough. What can it even do with the radio? And my watering can. Shut up, Giggy, said the other two, synchronized. She'd gotten off remarkably lightly compared to what that devil of an S. Lou could get up to. She chuffed, but there was little smugness too. Pedal Waddle sat up. Is that... Is that the horror? Gigi and Corridoro looked around. The restaurant, thankfully, remained asleep free. What are you talking about? she asked. Have you been traumatized by the Eslu? Corridoro scratched his muzzle. The window, you idiots! They turned, and to their horror, their devil Eslu had climbed up a tree just outside and was squeezing itself through the propped-up window. The trio panicked. Gigi and Petalwaddle charged while Corridoro cried out for the waitress in warning. They... Were too late. With the plop, the Eslu fell into the building, and its trademark chaos broke loose. So, um, chaos. Back to overlooking the once peaceful town. You are overlooking it in a newly repaired ship, hovering over its quaint glory. You can see everything from here, the market, the bar, the hordes of panicking people. The part of you might even miss this place. There's even something both invigorating and relaxing about making a mess. You might miss those cute, giant teddy bears. You'll definitely miss those fruits. With a grin, you tap the radio transmitters. Every single device in town will be transmitting your last honk. Eslu, freaking off. Satisfied, you head into the stars. A year has passed since the devil Eslu had abducted by aliens. Wherever it is, whoever it's with, it's their problem now. The town has just returned to proper normalcy, though the trio of shopkeepers, plus the waitress and the pure Lolo, keep a wary eye out, just in case. In the peaceful Sockensacker, across the planet, the world-shaking broadcast is made. Everyone turns on the television and peers into the handheld devices, and is generally glued to one or another. To everyone outside the town, it is time for joy and awe. There is intelligent life outside of their planet, and they're friendly. Everyone in the town, however, has a much different reaction. Pedal Waddle stares in open-mouthed horror. He knows those beady eyes, that deformed smugness, that terrifying honking. Freaking hell, there's more of them. End of story.